0: Welcome to Sports Spectrum, the sports and faith podcast that
1: brings Jesus back into the conversation. Here's your host, Jason Romano. This episode of the Sports Spectrum podcast with former Texas Offensive Coordinator Greg Davis, part one, is brought to you in part by Compassion International. We are so thankful for Compassion for being sponsors of the Sports Spectrum podcast. And listen, they do it right. If you're ever wondering how you can make a difference in a child's life, how can you impact a child, directly impact them? Compassion is the place. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. Here's your chance for $38 a month to sponsor a child, every child being discipled in the Word of God, over 150,000 children choosing to follow Jesus Christ in the last year alone through the great work at Compassion International. You can make a difference what to do, who to trust. That's what we always are asking, wondering when we're giving our money away. Compassion, you can trust them. I promise you that. I personally encourage you to sponsor with Compassion. You will not regret $38 a month, the most trusted child development ministry in the world. Sponsor a child today. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. I promise you, you won't regret it. Today's guest on the podcast is Greg Davis, former college football coach. He was with Texas as their offensive coordinator and QB coach from 1998 to 2010. He was a member of that national championship team that won it all back in 2005, beating USC in that famous Rose Bowl game. They averaged 50.2 points per game that year. That was an NCAA record back in 2005, and Greg Davis had a lot to do with it. And on this podcast, we're going to bring you part one. We're going to break it up into two parts. And part one of our conversation with Greg Davis will center around retirement. He retired in January of 2017 from coaching. He began his coaching career a long time ago, coached for many years, and probably, again, most notably with Texas, but then left Texas in 2010 and returned to coaching in 2012 at the University of Iowa where he was there as their offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for five seasons. He retired, like I said, in 2017. He also had stints at North Carolina, Georgia, Arkansas, Tulane, and Texas A&M. He was named the Frank Broyles Assistant Coach of the Year in 2005, that Texas Longhorn National Championship season. So let's get right to it, because you'll like this podcast because it's coaching 101 in a lot of ways. We don't have a ton of coaches here on the podcast. We do have some and Greg Davis is one who uh, sort of aligns with what we are about, not only from coaching perspective, but from a faith perspective. He loves Jesus. And we talk about what he misses about coaching, why he stepped away, how retirement's been for him, and how he sort of integrates his faith into his coaching, or how he integrated his faith into his coaching. It's a... A poignant conversation, that's why we broke it up into two parts because it was so good we didn't want to cut any of it out. So here is part one of our conversation with former Texas Offensive Coordinator Greg Davis right here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Coach Davis, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me. I, uh, I'll i start off right off the bat by saying how much I enjoyed your time when you and your brother came down to Colleyville and spoke at conference church, uh, um, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun
1: and it was, uh, it was very, uh, very moving. So well, thank you for what you do. Coach. Thank you very much. Yeah. We were down there, my brother and I, uh, back in late May, uh, talking about my book, "Live to forgive and it was great to meet you in person mm-hmm. and really started the conversation that's led to this interview. So very excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, the first thing I wrote down on my paper here in my prep for for our interview was January sixth, two thousand seventeen, and that's the day I'm sure you know that you retired from college football. And we'll get into your journey in a minute. But tell me how retirement's been going for you. You're about a year and a half into the to the retirement life. How's that been treating you? Well, it's uh, it's not as bad as people want to tell you, Jason. I
0: tell you, yeah. Uh, yeah. Every day Saturday, and uh, <laughs> that's so good. Uh, it's uh. The first thing I found when the uh when the season started is that uh stores were actually open on Saturday. Uh I did not know that. <laughs> uh, yep. The second thing was uh, uh for 43 years on Saturday during the season, I woke up with you know just a little bit of throw up in my mouth and uh and I didn't have that anymore. So uh mm-hmm. so it was uh, uh it, it was good. I, I Totally enjoyed my time. Uh, I did it for forty three years. My wife is a saint uh It gave me a platform uh, that I tried to honor um, but it was it was time for me it, it was time for me to totally devote myself to my family and my
1: grandkids and so we've totally enjoyed it what was uh or what has life been like with your wife seeing you every day is she kind of kicking you out of the house sometimes and saying come on coach get out of here oh yeah being away (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you sound like you have a a, a similar wife so uh yeah
0: we uh i I do a little counseling work uh, or consulting with the university of houston major applewhite the head coach there was a player for me at texas and so uh I spend some time during the season down there, mainly just visiting with him. And you know, ever so often, my wife Patsy will say, "You know, when are you going back to Houston? And, you know, isn't it about time?" So uh, <laughs> there's some there's some getting to know each other again um, when you retire after a, a
1: business like coaching. I have to imagine now, just on, a, on the level of being a coach, do you miss it? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh,
0: you, know, you know, when people ask and. Since I was, uh, you know, probably six years old, Jason, I, I've been part of a team. Mm. Uh, you know, either Little League baseball, baseball, uh, you know, all the way through college and then coaching. And um, and we were always pulling in the same direction and for the same goals and working. And all of a sudden you don't have that. Uh, and th- that's what I miss. I miss the... Uh, the five year journey of watching a freshman come in and, uh, not sure. And he's half man, half boy. And, you know, five years later, he's, uh, he's pretty much man. And, uh, you know, you've had a little something to do with that. And, uh, you know, yeah, I miss that. Uh, I don't miss junior days. I don't miss recruiting uh in some of the camps uh but i do miss
1: the being a part of the team what do you think you learned about yourself and just in the past year and a half since leaving coaching what have you learned most about yourself
0: well, very insignificantly, I've learned that I can do some things around the house. Uh, <laughs> Google <good>. is <laughs> Google is an amazing tool, and uh, so some of the things that my wife said, "Oh, Greg can't do that. He could. Do, he never would do that." I've actually, you know, I've actually been able to do some of those things. Uh, you know, the second thing I, is really rec- we, we've moved back. Uh, uh, to Colleyville right outside of Dallas because my daughter and son-in-law live here and and they they're three children so you know reconnecting with the grandkids and uh, I saw my young youngest one baptized about a, 2 months ago that completes all five of my grandchildren great. and uh, so uh you
1: know that's that's been the that's been the, the greatest thing Talking to Greg Davis here, former college football coach on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Coaching is such a a tricky profession for people of faith, in my opinion. Maybe it's not, because you don't want to alienate the team based upon those that are followers of Christ and, and those that aren't, of course. What have you learned over these years that has helped you as you've lived out your faith through your job as a coach, but also... You know, understanding that every person's journey is different, and every person's faith, in many ways, sometimes is different.
0: Uh, That is a great question. Uh, That's a great question because um, I mentioned earlier you you do have a platform. You want to use it, but at the same time, you you have to be cognizant of uh, you're in a public university. Uh, or I was. And uh, uh, not everybody believes like you do. Um, some people get, you know, very offended. So uh, what I tried to do was uh, every team I was on for 43 years, uh, we had chapel services. So I can't swear to you that I'd never missed one but I bet I did miss a handful in 43 years. Yeah. Uh and so so by being there uh I think I let the I let the guys know that we're there um that I was uh a believer. Uh I also let them know hey, if there's anybody on the team or if they need to talk, you know, I'd certainly be glad to um time those chapel services needed a coach to speak at uh I tried to make myself available. I thought that was another way to to let people know and then you know I guess the uh i guess the other thing Jason is just you know trying to walk in such a way that um that the guys know, okay you know this guy's a little bit different in some of you know and <clears throat> and sometimes that can be that can be a challenge yeah um, but um, um you know, and then uh, the other things is that there's things that come up during football season uh uh like well, fortunately, we were always playing after Christmas. Ah, uh, so, you know, when we would break for Christmas and I, I would be, you know, addressing the offense for the last time. Okay, guys, you know, we, you know, drive safe. Uh, here's when you're going to be back, you know, you know, hug your parents and somewhere along the, the next two or three days, try to reflect on what Christmas is all about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could kind of try to slide things like that in. Um, um, so, but it is a, it is a little bit of a balancing act. Uh, you're exactly right. And you certainly don't want to alienate anybody because they feel differently than you
1: do. Of course. And, and I wonder for you how many instances or opportunities you've had to actually, by doing that, had these sort of deeper you know below the surface level conversations with some players about that world about faith about just exploring it and who you know who Jesus is maybe to you like have have you had those conversations obviously we don't want to name any names cuz it's such a personal sure. thing but have you had those kind of conversations yes yeah. yes
0: and, and 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 doing what we just mentioned you know has led guys to be able to come in and shut the door and say hey coach I I you got 5 minutes and I'm sure we got five minutes and you know, can I trust you? And uh, you're not gonna, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, what do you want to talk about? And, and, uh, so yeah, there's been, you know, there, there's been several of those in, and, and some, you know, just so that the audience understand, you know, some, some of them are not, you know, this guy that walked in that was full of demons. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, some are guys that are, Hey, I, I just need to. I am a Christian coach, but I'm struggling in college. I'm by myself, you know. My parents i, I come in when I want to. You know, girls kind of like me. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it, there's a full spectrum there, you know, from the non-believer to the believer that's off from home for the first time and it's and it's experiencing college and
1: life. You coached for 43 years you said is was there is there a difference in how you treated handled talked to coached a kid when you first came in versus certainly when you left you know a couple of years ago did you see a big difference in how these kids sort of evolved or were there pretty much the same kind of traits and personalities and issues and things that you had to work through
0: you know, I, I think all of the above, yeah. uh, quite honestly, you know, uh, by the time I retired, our, our playbook was on an iPad. When <laughs> I first, when I first started, our playbook was stenciled in the fill house. And, uh, so, uh, and run off on one of those and half of your audience, two thirds of your audience may not even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so that's, the uh, you know, that's the difference. Uh, uh the the way you could communicate i mean when i first started you couldn't film ever practice we didn't have the budget to film ever practice we didn't have the uh, availability to take the film and, and get it processed and now there is no film obviously i mean by the time i can get back to my office after a ball game uh, the film's ready to go or the tape is ready to go by the time i get on a plane the uh, Video coordinator hands me an iPad with the game. I said, "Coach, you can watch it on the flight home." So, from those standpoints, huge, huge difference uh, from when I started. Uh, from the kids, you know, the base, the basis of coaching Jason is teaching, and so I don't think not a great change there uh, in what you had to do. And that they they wanted structure, they really did. They they wanted discipline, they 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 really did. And, and I I think that from, you know, my first job in nineteen seventy three all the way you know through the end, the way you go about it was a little different. Also, though, I mean, um, when I came through and, and you know, I'm older than you, but when, when, when I came through, if um, you know, if I came home and said, dad, you know, coach wanted me to do, well, okay, let's do it. I mean, uh, so that part's changed a little bit and there's, there's some questions, uh, parents are, um, not to, I mean, not to give the impression my dad wasn't involved because having heard your, my, your story, my dad was much different. He was the best man at my wedding. And, and so yeah. Yeah. I, I was that he was involved, but he certainly didn't have an opinion on what the coach was doing. It was right. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, so there's, been, you know, there, there's been tremendous changes in technology and some of the things, but I really think the basis of dealing with kids is pretty close to what it was.
1: There's so many coaches out there, uh, especially many of them listening to this podcast. I know high school coaches, even little league coaches, that want to get better at what they do. So for you, encourage them. You're somebody who's coached for a long time. Encourage them and share maybe a few of the things that you found worked best for you in connecting with the teams that you coached on.
0: I think everybody has to, you know, I'm asked at clinics and various functions. I think everybody has to coach within their own personality. Um, I really do. I think a player at every level doesn't really care what you know until he knows that you care Mm. and that is not a greg davisism that is coaches have used that but it is so true uh i think i broke through with vince young vince uh went to a predominantly black school in houston um i don't even know if they had a white coach uh he certainly didn't have a white coach that worked with him he came to the University of Texas, and um, I, I'm not sure I got through to him until he had his appendix out. And when he had a, his appendix out, I went to the hospital, and his mom was there, and, you know, she had was exhausted. And I said, why don't, why don't you go get some sleep, and I'll stay with Vince. And, and um, it, it was nothing special, Jason. I mean, I— i don't certainly don't deserve a medal for that but it it allowed vince and his mom to say you know he he cares it's not just what he can do on the football field so back to the question i think you have to have to know that you care and and then i have to you know you have to be an encourager i uh i heard I can't even remember, uh, but one of the original pro bowlers, uh, I think maybe his name was Dick Weber. I heard one of his tapes one time because I've always been into motivational tapes. And, okay. and they said, well, Dick, you're, you know, you you had an advantage on everybody. You were bowling. Your dad owned a bowling alley. Tell us about it. And he said, my dad was brilliant. And they said, really? And they said, yeah, you know. When I started bowling at 5, he stuffed the gutters. I never threw the ball in the gutter. It always bounced back and hit some pins. Well, God bless his dad. <laughs> you, know, mm-hmm. you know, you know you got to encourage. I think little league football needs to play with little footballs. Their their hands are not ready to play uh you know, to to play uh, with the big football. I think coaches of Little League football, you should teach fundamentals and you should be an encourager. And gosh, if you win, that's fine. If you don't, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. But let them have a good time and feel better about themselves at the end of the season than they did at the start.
1: That's good advice. Now, the word culture coach is, is used a lot in the context of coaching and teams. Uh, I hear it a lot in different leadership <laughs> books that I read. It's such, a, it's such a common sort of buzzword culture. What does that mean to you when you have a quote-unquote great culture, and then on the other side, when you have a toxic culture, which maybe you've never been a part of, and, I, and I'm sure many mm-hmm. of us have, just if you live life, you have, but many just equate it to wins and losses. If you win, great culture. If you lose, ah, it's toxic. What do you think on that and what about how culture works in the dynamic of team? Uh, I think it's huge.
0: I think leadership, culture, you know, your, your veteran leaders, however you want to phrase it, but culture is a very cliche term now. Yeah. And, um, um, and I certainly understand what you're talking about. And, and, and to me, they're talking about a group of men, boys, kids. They're talking about a business. They're talking about a bank. They're talking about whatever. All pulling in the same direction, and and so in, in athletics, it's in most cases it's it's fairly easy to get it. I mean to get somewhat of guys pulling in in that direction uh because they don't normally get to college football unless they've done that uh, so but still i mean egos can be a factor i mean you know who's getting all the print and who's the preseason all american and uh, you know that that can be a factor that has to be attained you know uh uh the defense you know gets all the praise the offense gets all the criticism or vice versa, or, you know, uh, that can, you know, cause problems. Uh, uh, people that are not, you know, people in the weight room that are not, um, that are not tied in to the head coach's theory, uh, can help create a bad culture and not even intentionally, not, not even trying to sabotage the culture. Just, uh, so, uh but it's real i mean it, it's real it's hard to define um, and the uh you know when when you, when you hear it the most is a guy takes over a new guy takes over state university and his first time that someone runs up and sticks a microphone in his mouth well we're trying to change the culture yeah i mean i it it uh, invariably. And 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 I think what he's saying is we're we're trying to get everybody pulling in the same direction. We're trying to get the nutritionists, the the academic people, we're trying to get the uh trainers, we're trying to get everybody preaching one message and pulling in the same direction. And then if you're fortunate enough to have a little
1: success, um, you know, it it continues. Right, it, it makes the word culture become a great culture, <laughs> right, right? Especially when you're winning. Right, we're talking to Coach Greg Davis here on the Sports Spectrum podcast. Coach was was that something you always wanted to be known as? Uh, you know, coaching. You, you did it for 43 years. When did you first find out or realize or kind of get that itch that you, you thought coaching might be something you wanted to get into?
0: Well, I was. Uh... I was fortunate. Uh, I had great youth coaches, great high school coaches. And, uh, you know, you, you could walk by our coaches offices in high school and there was always laughter coming out. And they were always, you know, I, I thought, wow, I mean, these guys are getting paid. I mean, you know, they, they wear shorts to work, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, they get to run around there with us. And, uh, and it seems like they're having fun. And then you know, then I went to college and um um I was gonna be a lawyer. And and then they said something about, you know, you had to have all these hours of foreign language. And Uh-oh. I said, Oh, okay, well if I'm not going to coach in Mexico, I probably can do without that. And <laughs> uh but I, but I wanted to to you know, to be honest because of guys that coach me. I mean, they really did seem to be enjoying what they were like. And and I was e further fortunate. My dad owned an insurance business in a small town. We we grew up in Groves, Texas, population sixteen thousand. Mm-hmm. And so I was the oldest of four children and, and um uh, and there's no doubt he wanted me to take over. Or certainly his one of his boys, uh, unless my daughter, or unless his daughter would have, and uh, you know. And so I walked in one day to his office and said, "Dad, I've decided I'm going to be a coach." And he said, "Are you sure? Is that what you want?" Yeah. And he said, "Well, go be the best damn coach you can be." Mm-hmm. And uh, so, um, but it's been a it's been a blessing. It, it really has. It's it's hard to explain. Uh, my wife, again, who um talked about earlier, when we won the national championship in 05, um, Mac, had, Mac had set it up that if we were fortunate enough to win, that he wanted the wives on the field and then he wanted the wives to have access to the dressing room, you know, before, I mean, after he his talk and get to see the kids, et cetera. And so I had talked to my wife. I said, what is it? And I said, it's it's a high. It's a high that you can't explain. And I don't know where you get it in the real world. I don't know where you get that feeling after a win. Um, and so after the national championship, you know, and they got down on the field and then they went in the tunnel with us and then they went in the dressing room as Mac addressed the team. And then they you know, they went outside as everybody started getting dressed, et cetera. And so when I got to the bus after the after the ball game, my wife Patsy said, I see it now. And I said, What are you talking about? And she said, It's unbelievable. That dressing room mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Uh now, obviously when we lost to Alabama five years later, four years later, that dressing room wasn't unbelievable. And so the, you know, the highs and the lows of the business and, um, is, is hard to explain to people. I, I know everybody that goes to a game thinks they could coach and, um, uh, but there's so much more to it, uh, than what is they see on Saturday. Um, but, uh, so, when kids ask me, I'll, I'll wrap that portion up. Uh, sometimes you ask me a question, I go on That's forever. Okay. It's a <laughs> podcast. We can tell
1: stories all day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, kids come in, sometimes they sit out, Coach, I'm thinking about coaching. I say, Okay, let's talk about that. You know, and I said, Well, you know, what you see is, uh, you know, I'm coaching at a university and you come over to the house for burgers and I have a nice home and, you know, uh, it's not always like that, you know. I mean, first of all, not everybody gets to coach in college, and and uh, I said, and you got to be married to a woman, and you know, we coached at seven different universities, and uh, and that's not even a huge number for some people, and right. uh, yeah. uh, that's seven different moves. Uh, it's it takes a toll on on your family, and um, but if you can live without it, you should. If you can't,
1: it's the greatest business in the world. That's former Texas offensive coordinator Greg Davis here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. That was part one. We will be releasing part two of our conversation with Greg coming up tomorrow. So basically, if you're listening to this after uh, after it releases, you probably are able to listen to both episodes back to back. Uh, but we are releasing this the next day, the day after we release part one. We will be releasing part two of our conversation with former Texas Offensive Coordinator Greg Davis here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Thank you for listening to part one of our conversation here on the podcast. We also want to thank our sponsors, Compassion International. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum, $38 a month. Sponsor a child, I promise you, you're going to provide them with hope. You're going to provide them with food, shelter, education, tutoring, all of the things that children should have, the things that we just take for granted here in the United States for so many of us this is what compassion does they take your money and they go and have it directly impact to a child you get to go to the website compassion.com/sportspectrum and you can pray about it and then select the child that you want to sponsor and then you directly impact them with your money every single month go to compassion.com/sportspectrum sponsor a child today Thanks so much for listening to part one of our conversation with Greg Davis here on the Sports Spectrum podcast. Stay tuned for part two coming up tomorrow. As always, you can reach us on the web at sportspectrum.com, and you can email me directly, jason, at sportspectrum.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.